Welcome to episode 29 of the Woke Antidote, coming to you on the weekend here. And TB, I, I think we we had a slow week woke uh, the other week. Didn't have a ton of content for the pod, but this week, Fast and Furious with the Woke, and, and we got a great show for you. Yes, we do. Uh, first, I just want to uh, hope everyone had a, uh, a happy fourth. They enjoyed the long weekend. Got to see some fireworks. Maybe did some uh, some grilling outside. Uh, it was beautiful on the East Coast. But uh, so wherever you're listening, hopefully it was a, a nice weekend for you as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, SB and I had planned on recording an episode uh, earlier this week and doing two, but it was it was pretty a pretty slow week. And then until the very end of this week, all of a sudden things just came rolling in. And we always joke about this, SB, but. Uh, you know, the woke continues to feed feed us. They keep the show going. Uh, they are the the reason for this show. So we thank them once again for giving us uh, what I think today is going to be one of our uh, most exciting and uh, rant worthy uh, discussions. I totally agree. It's it's not ideal for the world that it's so woke, but it's great. It's great for the show. And so we're going to start off today talking this WNBA situation with with Brittany Griner, but a, a more broad talk about the WNBA because she's been stuck in Russia. She brought, I, I believe you could qualify them as hard drugs, which is hash oil, into the country. And she's potentially getting sentenced for that in a trial for that. And as this is going on, there's a couple of angles here, but... One angle you consistently get from the liberal media, so the NPRs of the world, is that there's this pay gap between the NBA and the WNBA, and the pay gap is something that should be looked down upon. It's not fair. And, I, and we have to look at this and we have to say, why is there that pay gap? And, I, and everyone with common sense knows it's because the NBA is a sport played at, a, at the highest level of basketball around the world that millions and tens of millions of fans love and watch every single year. The same cannot be said about the WNBA. And where people get frustrated is we always hear these arguments about how they should be making similar amounts of money. The NBA is always pushing and promoting the WNBA probably too much during NBA event events. When the NBA finals are on, for example, you'll hear about a WNBA game going on the next day, even though there's not that much crossover or viewership. And it, it's almost sometimes that men are seen as sexist for liking the, the NBA better. Well, much more women as well as men are watching the NBA over the WNBA. It's a different kind of game. It's more athletic in the NBA. So, of course, we're hearing about this gender pay gap. And it's in incredibly frustrating because you – Think about the NBA. Well, they're now at players making $60 million a year. This is this is the, the going rate now because of how in demand they are for TV deals. Look at the NHL, a, a league that is predominantly white, it, it, and, and that doesn't check out with the, the NBA. They're, the star players in that league, they, they may, might make $5 million, if not $10 million at most a year. So those players might make star players in that league might make the same amount of money during their entire career as an NBA player is making in one year. Do we hear about a wage gap between the NHL and the NBA? No, because one is a lot popular than the other. And the problem that 
people are people are are facing with this situation is we're supposed to act like the WNBA and the NBA are similar sports and people should be watching them at, at the same rate. This is not true. If you try to argue that, then you're essentially called sexist and racist and 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 what have you. So this is this is part of the angle here, but it's interesting that this just it, it continuously gets brought up and this gets brought up, you know, whenever the WNBA is in the news, this gets brought up. Um, it's getting brought up now because it's seen as maybe sexist that Brittany Griner had to go over overseas to make money playing in the dub playing women's basketball because they can make millions of dollars um, going over there and playing. Well, first of all, if you can make millions of dollars playing basketball in Russia, that's amazing. Me and you can't do that. Um, I, I would love to be able to make millions of dollars for that. And then to finally to, fi- to finish up here, WNBA players are not are not dirt poor. They're they're making over a hundred thousand dollars. I think the star players make over two hundred thousand dollars. That's a pretty good career. Um, it's not a full season either. And so, why are you complaining about making what is significantly above the median income in the country, which for a family is, is fifty to sixty thousand dollars? So there, there's all this frustration, and with all the woke going on, it's just kind of funny to see one of these woke stories that. This was being talked about in 2000 when the league started. Um, it's been rebutted um, by by people every single year. The story keeps coming on. And so it was in, in the news again with Brittany Griner. And unfortunately, we have to keep putting up with it, TB. Yeah. I mean, just to, you know, I'll set the record straight here before I get, get into my take. But let's just be real here. Obviously, this is a political move on Russia's part. We're, you know, we're in the midst of this conflict with them. And, um, you know, them arresting Brittany Griner and charging these excessive uh, punishments and charges against her um, over drugs. You know, it, it's obviously, it, you know, it is illegal there. It is a crime, but, you know, obviously it's being played up by them. It, she's a political pawn right now at this point. Um, so, like, you know, obviously that's unfortunate. Um, it's, you know, stupid on Russia's part. But also, like, at the same time, this is just common sense. When you're traveling overseas, like, this is just a, a basic concept, like, every person should follow. It's like, you're in a different country, a country that has different laws than the country that you're from. Just be smart. Don't commit crimes there because you can put yourself in a situation when you're locked in a foreign jail or, you know, dealing with any legal challenges in a different different country. And it, there's a lot of issues that come along with that. So it's best just to, you know what, go to that country, do your thing, like, just follow the laws that they have there. And then you can go back to your home country and if you want to do hard drugs or you want to do whatever you want, then you can deal with ramifications, whatever they may be here. So, again, it's unfortunate Brittany Griner is dealing with this situation. I, I don't personally don't think that she should be. However, like it's, it's not that she's an innocent bystander either. She kind of put herself in this situation. So, um, you know, again, like hopefully I, I hope there's a good resolution for her, but. You know, I, I'm not crying over here for her because she kind of set herself up, unfortunately. But th- this story, SB, that obviously it's getting politicized and turning into this gender uh, pay gap uh, con- uh, uh, you know, controversy and discussion that we constantly hear about. But it reminds me of, you know, Megan Rapino and the uh, U.S. women's national soccer team, where there's also that that conversation. And also what I would say is a poor decision to pay the men and uh, women players equally. And yes, what you could say is, you know, the, in this case of the, the women's team is better, you know, that they have had more success than the men's team. There's no denying it. But at the end of the day, 
when corporations, advertisers, you know, industries, et cetera, are making decisions about where to invest their money and how to spend it, ultimately it's nothing to do with race, gender, political ideology, et cetera. It's all based on money and revenue. And they and, and you know, money many money talks at the end of the day. It's a simple, it's a simple concept of supply and demand. So for whatever it may be, they men uh, and there's actually multiple reasons for this, but the men's sports, they do get more viewers than, than women. And that's just a fact. It's not an opinion. It's not me saying men are better than women. It's just when it comes to sports, their men, men's sports are more popular. And it's a simple reason why that is. Men just biologically are more athletic than women. And I'm not, I'm not going to say that there are that I'm more athletic than every woman on the planet. I know that there's plenty of women out there who would destroy me in a basketball game, Brittany Griner included. There's plenty of women who are more athletic than me. But if you take the top male athlete and put the, pit them against the top female athlete, it's not even close. It's not even close at all. And you know, going back to the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team example, just a couple of years ago, they had an exhibition game against a bunch of high school kids. They, these were a bunch of teenagers, and they lost. And the, 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 the defense of that was, oh, you know, the women's team, they were just scrimmaging. They weren't really trying. Um, so that's why it happened. But, I mean, SB, like, we see all the time when, like, an MLB team, they'll do an exhibition game against a college baseball team. And obviously those MLB players aren't really trying, but they win every time. You know, it's just there's just a complete like different level there. Um, so for the fact that the the highest top tier at women's soccer players in our country lost to a group of high school students, like, you know, I think that just it's it, it demonstrates that there ultimately is a biological difference. And there's just no there's no getting around that. And it's, again, it's not me saying women are worse than men. It's just. It's at the end of the day, it's just science. And then it's SB. I, we, we didn't talk about this, but I would just say to the people who say the concept of a woman doesn't exist and that there's no such thing as man, man, man and uh, female, I would say, okay, if we're going to play your game, and if you're saying this is true, let's put a Brittany Griner or one of the top WNBA players, let's put her in, in the NBA and see what happens. And, you know, if you're if you're if there's truly no such thing as a man and a woman, then by their logic, they should be equal players and be equally successful. And we know the hilarity that would ensue from that spectacle. They would get absolutely demolished that they just they can't they can't compete with 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 that. It's just it wouldn't be fair. There's structurally, physically, uh, you know, it's just they're on totally different level playing fields. And uh, that that's just a basic fact. Uh, again, there's no hate. There's no judgment. We're just talking common sense. And SB, I would say it's just it's just this is an, ex an example and a demonstration of just how crazy society has come that this is even a debate right now. Like it, this is just common sense stuff. This is stuff that they that like, a, a little kid could tell you that they learn in school like it, it, like this is basic fundamental understanding of humanity. And now because we don't want to like insult people's opinions or feelings, we have to do this charade that you know, female athletes are just as athletic uh, as male athletes. And it's, it's, it's just not true. So, you know, at the end of the day, as I said before, to tie this all together, it's a simple concept of supply and demand. There are more eyeballs. There's more audience viewers who want to watch male sports than female. So that's why you have NBA players making more money. If we get more, if the WNBA gets more followers and fans and they get 
those millions of viewers per per uh, game, then sure, absolutely, pay them what they're due, pay them the same. But until that happens, you pay. It, it's all relative. So uh, I, I'm kind of sick of this, and uh, it's it's just insanity. SB, it's 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 completely illogical. Well, going back to you were you were just saying, it's the emperor has no clothes, and the kid has to point that out and then everyone can stop pretending and actually admit yes there are no clothes so the frustrating part is that let's compare the reaction to britney griner versus let's take someone else let's take ryan lochte ryan lochte supposedly white male aren't they the most privileged in society well ryan lochte when he was in brazil i believe for an olympics his crime was i believe urinating outside of a gas station and he was the police came up and potentially they were arrested and yeah he he lied about it initially but he didn't want the bad media reaction and for that one mistake if you could really even call it that it wasn't a huge deal i don't think he basically had his career ended he couldn't almost do anything else i think he was banned for at least a year from competing now let's think about britney griner goes to Russia, has hard drugs on her. No one is even talking about the crime. All they're saying is that we need to get her out. So wait a second. I thought that the white males had the privilege. Here's a African-American woman. And nope, you know, not, not, nothing about she should be punished for her crimes and banned from competition. It's got to get her out. So this is why I look at this. I say there's WNBA privilege. Because if Brittany Griner, let's even forget about Lottie for a second. If Brittany Griner was anybody else, could be me or you, could be our friends and family. If we went over to a foreign country and got arrested with drugs, would there be the calls for the president to be taking us back? Absolutely not. So that's some serious privilege there. And I do want to tie this as well. Um, there's so many moments about Trump's presidency, which we can contrast with Biden. But on ESPN this week, there's an article. There's an article that Brittany Griner sends letter to Biden and Biden reads the letter. So th th this is the news now. This is what the big news is that Biden has read her, her letter, or read the letter from her wife to the president. Trump in the same time frame with ASAP Rocky New, uh, news came out this week. He had threatened Sweden with the trade war unless Sweden gave back Aesop Rocky. And what do you know? He got back. And, and Trump, of course, was probably criticized for that from people. So we have these two very different men where one of them, you know, he might say stuff out of pocket and he might not do things in a very unorthodox way, but he gets things done or he got a lot of things done. And then here we have Biden, this meek old man who he's being celebrated by the media for actually reading an article. So I just thought that contrast was just so incredible because this whole situation has just evolved into, yeah, as you said at TV, it's devolved into a political game. Yeah, it it really has. Um, and and there's, there's really no need for, like, why are we even having this conversation, like, this has nothing to do with an issue of the gender pay gap. You know, this is like, as we've been explaining, it's just someone who stupidly committed a crime overseas. And like, honestly, like 
this is just basic common sense. Like if I'm going to commit a crime in any country and not that I ever would, but if I'm going to do it, certainly not Russia, that would be on my list of countries. I would probably try to be as like safe and to myself as possible, even before this Ukraine conflict. I mean, you know, Russia is kind of a crazy place, so I'm not going to I'm not going to mess with the KGB over there. Are you kidding me? So I mean, like that, this is just this is common sense. But, you know, if I can play devil's advocate here, I see um, a little spin here for you. But I will say that I, I can see the argument made that there would be a difference in reaction if, let's say, a LeBron James was uh, was in a Russian prison right now and arrested. Uh, I definitely think there'd be more of a reaction. However, my 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 twist here is the the push would be coming from China. Uh, they would be doing everything in their power to get their uh, moneymaker out of Russia. You know, you, you know how much uh, Russia. Uh, I'm sorry, how much China profits off of him, and and vice versa. So uh, China would make sure that they're talking to their Russian buddies and getting LeBron James out of there. I mean, I, I, obviously, I say that in jest, but I mean, I, there is some truth to that. Um, <laughs> so I guess it's not a complete joke, but you know, it's uh, what you, what you said about the difference between, you know, command of authority and respect between Trump and, and Biden. It's, I, I completely agree with that. And I, I really do, you know, I, I, on this show, I completely, uh, you know, open up to, uh, I'm very transparent about my political views. I do not hide that I'm conservative. That's, that's never, I've never once hidden that or pretended to be otherwise, but I really do try to, take a back seat and be take more of an objective neutral stance whenever possible. And as difficult as it may be, I, I really do try to t- try to do so. And I'm going to do that here right now when, you know, we work, you know, besides this example of, you know, Trump advocating to get a out of a, a Swedish prison and then contrasting that with Biden now with Brittany Griner, just reading a letter and not really doing anything else. I mean, there, the, another example of that is, uh, you know, with, with Trump and the kind of the command and respect and, you know, what the, him getting things done. We talked about this on the last episode where, you know, Germany, they literally laughed at Trump at, at some uh, international conference when he, uh, Trump suggested that they would be at the, the whims of Russia and they become entirely dependent on them for gas and oil and, uh, and energy. And they laughed it off and looked at him as like a crazy person. Well, look what's happening now. Like the headlines coming out of Germany. We, we read some of those last week. Those were the early premonitions. But now a week later, it's actually happening. So here they are. Germany is rationing hot water and dimming its streetlights and shutting down swimming pools as the impact of its energy crunch begins to spread from industry to offices, leisure centers and homes. So like everything, you know, you can say what you want about Trump, but he was very right about that. And uh, he, he, you know, he, he, for all of his flaws, him, you know, shooting from the hip and saying it how, how it is, that was one of his strengths. And, you know, uh, those German dignitaries that were laughing at him, I don't think they're laughing right now, SB. Um, you know, and then, and then finally, I think just to kind of tie this all together, you look at the contrast between Trump and Biden and what, what you see with Biden, he doesn't command respect and he doesn't command authority whatsoever. Like, Truly, uh, he is a very sad and embarrassing representative of the country. And uh, we no greater example of that than recently he was speaking at a press conference and he was literally reading off of a uh, teleprompter and he, he had himself a bit of a Ron Burgundy moment here, SB, where he, uh, he literally read the, the, uh, the, the lines there to say, end of quote, repeat the line. And he <laughs> repeated it again. 
and he he just take you know it, honestly like as I, I've sadly had family members who have dealt with uh, dementia and Alzheimer's, so I don't say this out of any animosity out of him or like you know trying to be a conservative and making like a conservative talking point against the the Democrat president. This is just the objective truth. Like witnessing Alzheimer's and dementia in person, I see all the similar signs in Joe Biden. So actually, I do truly feel bad for him. Like this is a man who's very advanced in his age and has an advanced level of dementia. And it's those common things like him reading off the teleprompter, him being shown holding a script that says, you you uh, welcome everyone. You take your seat. You speak to the crowd. Like literally just t- trying to instruct him on how to exist as a basic human. Like it's really sad. Uh, it's really, really sad. And I think it's very selfish and, and, and you know, pretty it's pretty messed up that the, the DNC pushed him forward as a candidate because, you know, while he should be in a nursing home right now or, you know, at least just enjoying his twilight years uh, in peace, he was kind of wheeled out there as the, the last foil to Trump. And, you know, sadly, it worked, but um, it was for entirely selfish motivation why they wheeled him out there. And, and the guy has no idea what's going on. Uh, but. It's, uh, you know, it, it is quite sad. And then beyond that, you know, looking past the human element of it, it it's embarrassing as an American because we have a, you know, a dementia ridden president who is the face of our country right now. And on the world stage, you know, our enemies are licking their lips right now. This is their moment to strike. We saw what happened in Afghanistan. Uh, once uh, he, he he made that blunder and what happened with China and Russia flocking in then, um, you know, there, there's turmoil and unrest in the country. And, and and also domestically, we as a country are suffering for it now. We are a much weaker nation. We're a much poorer nation. Uh, so it's, you know, again, you feel bad for him, but ultimately it's hurting us. So my sympathy, you know, it, it, it doesn't last too long because. I'm feeling me like every other American, just like USB, we're feeling the pain right now. And it's, you know, it's, it's getting to be ridiculous. And it's, uh, you know, he, he, it's just such a sharp contrast. You know, you can make your criticisms about Trump all you want, but just look at the difference in America's performance and respect on the world stage four years ago compared to now. And it's, it's a night and day difference. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. And with the, the whole Trump going to whether it was the United Nations or there, there are so many of these NATO meetups or what, what, what have you. And when he would say things, the media and some other politicians, too, they would treat it as that this guy has lost his mind. He's out of control. He's going to lead us into world war. He's going to create a Great Depression. He is making all of our allies hate us. This is this is what we were constantly told. Well, it turns out he was right on a lot of stuff, including this German energy situation, which this is this is disastrous. I mean, I'm seeing numbers out there that potentially 40 percent of their manufacturing could be taken offline because they don't have enough energy for it. So. Yeah, I don't know what's going to cause these people to kind of snap up and wake up and say, yeah, we, we can't keep electing people that are going to destroy our way of life. But hopefully they're seeing a, a little bit of it. So, yeah. And, and look, the, the more we can talk about it and have the free speech to discuss it is good. And TB to transitioning here to Elon and Twitter. 
we thought that Elon was going to be buying Twitter. And, and while he still might, the breaking news uh, that came out on Friday afternoon is that at least according to now, that Elon has reneged on the deal. Now, the Twitter stock price was sort of contemplating this because his offer was for 54.20 and it's now trading at around the mid 30s. So there's been some discussion that Elon would maybe try to negotiate for a lower price. And so is this is what's happening here, potentially. But I, I do want to read something interesting from the letter that uh, Elon sent to Twitter. And so the background of this is that Elon has been very focused on these bots. He's saying that he thinks the spam accounts and the bot accounts, they're a lot more than the 5% or less that Twitter is publicly saying. And so Elon has said that as his right in the merger agreement, he needs to be given data for his team to run to see if there's actually, he can do the analysis with his team on how many bots there are. So he said, first, Twitter was not giving him that information. Then second, they did give him the information, but it was very limited. And then finally, when they did give him the information, this is what he wrote in response, that um, the, his analysis remains ongoing, but all indications suggest that several of Twitter's public disclosures regarding its MDAUs, which is monetizable daily active users, are either false or materially misleading. It appears that Twitter is dramatically understating the proportion of spam to false accounts represented in its MDAU count. And pre preliminary analysis by Musk's advisors um, from the information that Twitter has provided causes Mr. Mr. Musk to strongly believe that the proportion of false and spam accounts included in that reported monetizable, monetizable daily active user count is wildly higher than 5%. So a, a couple thoughts here. First, you know, if you take this at face value, um, yes, Elon could be could be totally on about this. But I think there's two other theories that we could potentially be looking at. One theory is that he's using this to simply get a better deal. So kind of what I was saying before, better negotiating. Um, another theory is that maybe he's looking to take Twitter down to an extent. And what I mean by that is if it's been proven that Twitter has been lying in public filings and to companies that advertise the Twitter, if it's proven they've been lying pretty substantially, as Elon is suggesting here, that's going to be terrible for their business because that means that they're probably going to lose a lot of advertisers and maybe that gives Elon more negotiating leverage to buy them. Maybe Elon can launch a competitor product if Twitter... Um, is significantly worse than what we currently think it is. I think there's a lot of different angles that Elon could go here. And so I'm really intrigued to see see what he does there. And then I think that the third angle potentially on this whole deal is if, if it's not either of those two, if it's not looking to take down Twitter, and if it's not looking to negotiate, maybe Elon just sort of, he wanted to see what was going inside of Twitter and he wanted to expose them. So I think a lot of us already... We, we already have a, a pretty negative view of Twitter, but I don't think everybody had that. And he kind of exposed to the world that they're doing some shady stuff there. So, I mean, that was already useful. But let's say Elon got some of this data and, the, and, and what Twitter was actually using for their algorithms. Maybe he can expose some of that in the future that shows, yeah, they're very anti-free speech. They are shadow banning people. It is provable. Maybe he comes out with some of that data. So... 
Look, like TV, I'm prepared for anything. This guy is a genius. He's one of the smartest people in the world. He's the richest guy in the world. He's built these amazing companies. I don't think we're even close to being done with the saga. And I'm just along for the ride here. We'll, we'll see what happens. I think he's already done great things by exposing Twitter in a lot of different ways. And look, if he buys them, if he doesn't buy them, I'm, I'm fine either way. I still think he probably does buy them, actually. But I'm fine either way because, you know, that we got to trust somebody. We got to look up to somebody in this day and age because everybody's abandoning us. And, you know, who, who better than Elon? So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm rooting for the best here, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean... I think you're a little bit more optimistic than I am. Um, and I, 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 sadly, I just kind of think this might be the end of the uh, the saga here. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're right. But I just, it just, I just have the feeling that this is where it's headed. Um, and what really frustrates me is that all those woke employees at Twitter, you know, after this news broke, how happy they were. Um, they get to, uh, you know, their echo chamber is, uh, is still intact in and they can continue to uh censor and control speech as as they'd like to and that and that makes me really frustrated because uh i thought this was gonna really help uh you know mitigate this or you know or or change or change this this narrative completely but um you know it's it is sad uh i it's frustrating that it's, it's come to this and hopefully there is a positive resolution but for the positive spin what i will say is that and actually, and, and to to my own credit, I did say this when the story first broke that Elon was interested in buying Twitter. This was even before he made a bid. And I said that even if this doesn't come to fruition, uh, it will achieve positive outcomes. And the positive outcomes uh, that I said, and they still hold true today, are that one, it would reveal uh, Twitter for uh, you know lying the Twitter board for lying to investors about uh, you know how, the value of their of their user base that they claimed you know there was only five percent or less of Twitter bots and now this whole thing is exposing that there's a lot more than that and I mean it doesn't take you don't have to do some real hard analysis to to know that if you're a basic Twitter user just go on any viral. Uh, Twitter thread and you will see it flooded with spam bots. So like you can't really escape them. I see them constantly. They make up a bulk of what I see on Twitter. And, and it's, it's really frustrating and annoying to do that because, you know, I, I just want to read funny stuff, like see funny memes or, you know, read up on breaking news about sports or, or politics. And it's just a constant barrage of these Twitter bots all saying the same thing, or, you know, you can tell it's, it's fake. And, uh, it, it's it's really frustrating. So it, it's no surprise to hear, but I think this whole Elon saga, it's really just put the Twitter board on on a spotlight. And I hope they do they are held accountable for misleading investors. Like that's actually not just unethical, that's illegal. So I hope they get the 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 their just desserts there. They they deserve every little bit of it. But then secondly, and I think this is the more important point here, SB, is that. The, you know, the major positive outcome of this is that th the reaction to Elon putting a bid in to acquire Twitter has exposed not just Twitter employees, but also just the fundamental liberal, you know, woke uh, ideology and their, and their stance on free speech. It's, it's completely exposed what they really think and what they really think about free speech, because the second that Elon even hinted at wanting to take over Twitter... 
they freaked the f out that their that their reign on free speech was coming to an end and they would always try to to uh to counter it by saying oh you know the the right wing and elon they just want what to them free speech is calling people the n-word and using racial slurs and being hateful and wanting to incite violence on people like that that couldn't be further uh, from the truth and they just use that as a distraction tactic you know for them anything that is extreme and hateful and bigoted and racist any anything that's right wing at all anything that's like simple conservative commentary they they would say oh that was hateful and at the end of the day they don't want to allow that they don't want to allow conservative companies and uh, news corporations to exist there's polls after polls that are out there that show that uh, conservative-minded people are completely fine with with liberal um, news stations, with liberal f- speech. They, they they don't want any restrictions on that. There's obviously a very hard uh, right-wing, uh, you know, extreme uh, part of the party that doesn't want that. But they're they're definitely a, a very small minority. A majority have no problem with that. However a growing majority within the Democrat side is increasingly supportive of restricting conservative commentary. This is not just conspiracy. You can look it up yourself. You just, just simply Google it. The, the stats are out there. It, it is quite troublesome, but it's not surprising because at least for me personally, the, you know, the, the liberal people that I work with that I know personally, they have no tolerance for conservative ideas. If you were to be at a dinner table and just share your opinions you would get a strong reaction from them and they would be disgusted by what you're saying and they wouldn't want to hear it. Whereas if it was the reverse, you would listen to them level-headed and you may disagree with them and have a, you know, a rigorous debate with them, but you would never judge them as a person or hate them or act emotionally. So it's, it's just that difference in thought. And I think this entire reaction was a very, was very much needed SB because you and I, and as well as, you know, some of our other friends and people that we know, we've been saying that this has been the case for years now. And I think like it, it was a small minority of people who were were vocalizing it like we were. But I think now it's been so much more in our face that it's it's impossible to ignore now. And I think it's been a wake up call for not just liberals and conservatives, but just like common sense people, just average Americans or average people where they can just say, you know what? Like, this isn't good. This isn't good that people really want to control what speech is and what's right or wrong. So I think that's a victory in itself. So, yeah, ultimately, I'm not as optimistic as you about Elon going through with this. Um, you know, I, I hope I'm proven wrong. But there there were uh, there are a couple of very positive takeaways from this. And I my only hope is that, you know, Elon may have lost the battle, but I hope long, long term it kind of shifts society back on a track of just common sense and rationality that we kind of get away from this, this idea of trying to control what's true or not, or what's acceptable speech or not. Uh, and I hope that this uh, was one step forward to achieving that. Yeah, you totally nailed it. And we've said on the show before, it's already a win. So that's really positive. One final comment for me on it before moving on, that makes me a little bit positive that the deal does get done is that remember when the ba- it was the Babylon Bee got suspended from Twitter, uh, I think for making a transgender joke. And that was when we later learned that Elon called the Babylon Bee head up and said, did you guys really get suspended? Like, give me some proof that you guys did. And they showed him. 
And almost immediately after that, that is when he started building his stake in Twitter um, from just buying it in the public markets. And then eventually you had the, the takeover. So I, I do think he does truly believe in free speech. If he thinks there's if he if he thinks free speech is worth dedicating a, a decent portion of his bandwidth on, then I, I do think he does that, whether it's Twitter or whether it's something else. I and he's also said he's thought about making Twitter into a WeChat type of app where it's not only Twitter, but it's essentially everything in your daily life. And, you know, presumably if he did that, Twitter would be worth a lot more than it would be worth now, maybe 10 times more. So that does give me a little bit more hope. But yeah, I'm um, look, I, it was a positive either way. We've already had a win, um, hopefully more wins to come. But speaking of uh, speaking of a loss, unfortunately, um, but a win for the content of the show, we're going to do something here. I'm watching this show, The Orville. TB's not watching it. I think probably most of the audience isn't watching it that's listening. But uh, it's basically a, a new version of Star Trek by Seth MacFarlane, the Family Guy creator. And the first season was a little bit more jokey in the Family Guy realm. But now it's a pretty serious show. But they, they talked about a, a pretty intense issue on the last show. I'm going to explain what they did. And then have TB react to it um, as well as kind of what's going on and tied into what's going on with society. So the Orville, basically, they went um, really woke on the transgender angle. And so what, what we had is that we have this race of aliens. One of them is working on the ship with his family. And it's a almost all male race. So it's the two guys and you can have a baby if, if you're male. Um, the baby that these guys had was was born female, very rare for that species. But what happens is all of the females that are born immediately gender reassignment surgery at birth turn into a male. They don't even know that, that, that they had that. So fast forward the show, this baby that they had is about 10 years, 10 years old. And he is feeling not himself. He's not interested in his schoolwork. And he's actually basically says he wants to commit suicide which is like that in and of itself is insane that this show is, is saying a 10 year old is feeling like they want to kill themselves so i didn't like that um and then once it's known that this this person they the 10 year old finds out that they were born female and they were transitioned to male immediately snap of the finger everybody in the show all the characters start referring to him he, he was a boy at the time as she and it's like it, it bangs over the head with it it's, it's crazy so that was another angle i didn't like then the the surgery back to um being the the female that is done by this robot that um comes from this very advanced civilization of ai robots essentially and this so the surgery is done no errors Immediately after the surgery is done, the, the appearance changes. It's clearly a female's voice and everything is a-okay. The surgery took, you know, two seconds to do pretty much. And so that is just completely unrealistic for what would happen in real society. And then, you know, finally, the political angle too was this race of aliens. The humans in the show want to have a... Uh, packed with them to take on um, to take on the, actually a killer form of AI robots that are roaming space. 
and the captains of the ship are willing to break off the entire alliance with these form of aliens to do the surgery. Now, it turns out that they did the surgery anyway, and they kept, uh, they weren't, the, the alien race was not happy about it, but they kept the alliance going. But it was seen as that important to do this transgender reassignment surgery that they would basically risk almost killing themselves because if the if the two species aren't aligned, they could get killed by these robots. So we just had all of that going on. And I'll finish up the, the point here is that this is not the first time the show has gone woke this season. They previously went woke in, in just the episode before where they have a, a populist running for president and an existing president that is challenging the results of the election. So he he's banging us over the head with the wokeness um, as it relates to political uh, themes in 2022, which is so obvious. And what's so frustrating is that they they have made this transgender issue seem seem so easy. It's a 10 year old feels like they are the wrong gender. They feel depressed. They have the surgery immediately. It's 100 percent good. And then they feel great and show the show ends where the 10 year old that's now a girl is having a great time learning about um, the, you know, learn, learning and, and for their future career and shadowing people. So they make it seem so easy. And I don't like that theme being introduced into popular culture and the young kids that are watching the show because it's making it seem like they can snap a finger, change their sex, have no repercussions of that for their life and everything's going to be a okay so yeah so that was one i didn't like but yeah I'll, I'll give it back to utb i just i couldn't take this and then the final comment is you were right you said that the seth mcfarland show was going to go woke i didn't think it was and i'm sitting here having to watch woke stuff yeah i mean not to not to rub salt in the wound here uh sb but like i mean we know Seth MacFarlane, you know, he's, he's definitely like, I love the early family guy days, but then as he got bigger and also as society like changed, he definitely leaned into the woke because it was, you know, politically and economically, you know, com convenient for him. And when you, when you told me about this show and I never heard of it, like that was my first question to him. I was like, SB, like, uh, I'm surprised you're watching this. Like, is it, is it super woke? And you said at the time, no, and I remember commenting to you like, oh, I'm surprised. Um, that's like refreshing to hear. I'm surprised it hasn't. And then, of course, uh, I was proven correct. Like, I think literally like a week or two after that conversation, that's when you told me this episode happened. So I thought it could have been a weekly antidote. It wasn't woke the first two seasons. Yeah. I mean, and actually, SB, we didn't talk about this before, but it this story of Orville it reminds me a lot of this show that I'm actually watching right now that also I was thinking about recommending as a weekly antidote as well um which is the show the boys on uh amazon prime and i don't know if anyone if you watch that show sb but basically the the concept of the boys is this like superhero show so think of it as like a uh a dark like a very mature and like comedy take on if like marvel or, or dc superheroes existed in the real world and it was just kind of like how they're like these celebrities and, you know, they they fight bad guys, but they're also kind of like 
you know, and their personal lives are kind of just bad people. They sleep around. They are kind of like like assholes to to everyone. So, um, you know, they're they're nothing different than kind of like our Hollywood A list celebrity types. And it, it's a very funny show. It's got the right amount of action. Uh, it's like very gory, like kind of in the in the like of a Quentin Tarantino type of movie. It's like over the top gore, but it's like very funny. Um, but they too. They have. They are also very woke show. It's actually produced by Seth Rogen, so no surprise there. But they will make constant, uh, just like political uh, messaging and uh, visualization. So they have like a Tucker Carlson type of uh, oh, news no. host that they constantly make fun of. Um, the the main villain of the show is like this Captain America type of figure called or like Superman figure called Homelander, and he they they make him like a Trump figure where. He's giving speeches and he like has the audience like turn to the camera, the news cameramen and boo them and like blame the media. Um, they uh, they like yeah, hit you over what... the top. That's what I don't like about it is it's so obvious what they're doing. A hundred percent. And I, I, I'm taught I was taught one of my good friends watches this show as well. Like him and I were, were talking to each other. And it's like it's, it's just like creative laziness now. Like there's no subtlety at all. Like it's just like very on the nose and like heavy handed. Like they're not even like attempting to, you know, have any nuance or like hint it or insinuate. It's just like they make it as obvious as possible. And like in the most glaring example of this SB, like the most recent episode of the boys, they had like there was like they were showing a protest in favor of this like Trump superhero guy. And they had a a Viking in in the protest crowd, <laughs> so like oh, no. they just like don't even mask it. So, anyways, my my point is this Orville story that you're telling me, and, and them going woke, like it's just you know for whatever reason, uh, I think this speaks to just kind of like the the liberal mindset in general. They cannot uh, politics has become their identity, and they cannot like escape from that. They cannot separate themselves from the from politics like they constantly have to be talking about this and like i've shared my personal stories that working in tech people are constantly bringing up politics i'm like why can't we just keep that outside of the workspace like why why do we need to constantly be talking about this stuff like it's just it's very like tiresome and it's just it's inappropriate and just the media is is no different at all so um when you were sharing this it reminded me so much of that sb but just to kind of circle back and touch on this theme of you know, just kind of an inaccurate portrayal of the kind of transgender, uh, this issue of transgenderism on on uh, Orville. Like, it's you're absolutely right. It it creates like a false uh, sense of reality of like what actually happens with that. Like, often these surgeries don't go that well, and there's a lot of like medication and like physical trauma that's involved with that. Like, they're literally. In, in some cases, like they're chopping off body parts to make this transition happen. And you hear these really sad, I'm not saying all, but you hear these stories where people like learn to regret that. And you hear about like the suicide rates that coincide with this. Like it, it that really paints like a really bad, bad like expectation of like how, like what could actually happen. So uh, that's very misleading. Um, and I don't think that's healthy for like young kids to see. Um, and also too, like, with with this like it's this this transgender movement it's like really permeate permeating our, our society and like it, it really you know again like i don't care what people do in their personal lives if someone wants to transition like god bless them like it doesn't impact me like i can personally think it's weird but 
I'm ever, I'm not going to stop someone from doing it. Like do what makes you happy, but it does have to make you pause. Like, why do we hear about this so much now? Like more and more. And there was a recent story. Yes, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, it was a video clip of a, a, this was at a bar in Miami where there was basically a totally nude uh, with the exception of like stickers on the breasts of this transgender person doing like a, a, a walk with uh, like a, like a toddler. Like I think this person, this kid was like two years old, two or three years old. And they were, they were doing this and you see other videos of like these transgender performers, like having little kids stuff, dollar bills in them and stuff. And like, it's really disgusting. Um, and it makes you like really question like why that's happening. And like, I, I, I've told SB this theory, like you look at the parents who bring their kids to these, these shows and, or who want this to be taught in the classroom. And, you know, I'm not saying a hundred percent of them all look like this, but let's just be real here. You look at the videos, a majority do. And a lot of them have like, you know, the short dyed hair glasses, they look pretty nerdy. And my theory here is, and I, I think there's some truth to it, which is why I'm sharing it, but, you know, th- these people were likely, you know, the classic nerds growing up, probably didn't have many friends, were very shy, kind of like social pariahs as they were growing up. And then they really lean into their politics as well as like these like weird displays of their political affiliations um, as a way of making themselves feel like unique and different and important. Um, so it's like their moment to shine. They're like, oh, actually, I'm not a weird person. I'm not a nerd. I'm just, you know, I'm like so much more woke and progressive than you. And it's, it's, it's kind of like a self-serving practice. And like the ugly consequence of that is like the polluting of children's minds that they want to capture to like get that self-validation that they, that they so much crave. And I think that's like really evil and gross. So I, I think that's like, I think that's really bad. Um, and, and that's why like it upsets me so much because it's not with pure intention. It's all like self-serving and, and, and really selfish. So that, that's, that's not really good at all. Um, oh, and, and then um, and I think too, like the final point I do want to make on this, on this topic here, SB, um, uh, I realize I'm, I'm ranting here, but uh, the, the last thing I want to say is that with these displays of like you know these crazy drag shows and also like you look at the recent pride parades that happened last month where there's literally like naked people dancing in front of like little kids and even if they even if they're let's say even there weren't any little kids in in attendance which there were but let's just imagine there weren't just still like public indecency that's like a literal crime but they allow that in these pride parades where they're, they're literally naked. Like there's naked men, naked women, like prancing and dancing on the streets and in broad daylight, nothing, leaving nothing to the imagination. And uh, like, honestly, I'm trying to think of this SB, like, listen, I'm, I have um, homosexual friends. I've, I've shared, I've, I grew up with neighbors who are homosexual. They, I don't look at them any differently than heterosexual people, even though I'm not part of that lifestyle. That's what makes them happy. God bless. Like I, at the end of the day, like my take is I want people to be happy. And as long as that happiness is, doesn't come at the expense of hurting other people, then whatever, like I can remove my personal views from that. And you can, you know, that doesn't stop me from respecting you or caring about you as a friend or, or an acquaintance. But I think these, dis- these displays, like these, you know, like I said, <laughs> dancing naked at pride parades or like bringing little kids to like drag bars and, and, and or drag shows and stuff. It's like 
it's associating this LGBT movement with like sexual deviancy that I think like ultimately like really hurts their movement because I think at the end of the day, they, they just really want equality. They want to be able to love who they want to love. They want to be able to live in peace. Um, and I'm all for that. Like I, like I'm very libertarian in that regard, but I think when they get, a, you know, you know, people hitch their wagon to this, this kind of this craziness that's going on, it only hurts them because then it, it like, it hurts their cause because people no longer look at them as like, oh, these are people just like normal people who just want to love who they want to love. It's like it, it really be, it moves into this territory of deviancy. And I think like if you are you know, supportive of like the LGBT movement, like you should not want them to be doing stuff like this because it's, it's only hurting themselves. Like it, it, it like in the short term it might be funny or like, you know, you, it might feel liberating. But I think long term it like makes people take them less seriously and like like i don't think that's what people want so why can't we just like speak common sense and say like little kids should not be around drag queens like that are basically naked like little kids should not be at pride parades where people are like doing like these these naked dances and stuff like that like i think those are common sense things that we can agree on and again it has nothing to do with like at the end of the day it's nothing to do with homosexuality or like transgender people it's just like sexual content in general like little kids shouldn't be near naked heterosexual people. Naked people shouldn't be at strip clubs, you know, like um, these are just like common sense principles. And for whatever reason, people kind of like blend blur the lines here. And I, I think it's like only hurting their cause at the end. Yeah. It's the degradation of society. And it, it, you know, it stems from the top when we have this president that can't even read a, a teleprompter correctly I think the focus on the kids, that's really important. And it, it ties back to the, the Orville thought of, the, of protecting the kids. And, and you're right. We want people to be happy. And so when conservatives say, hey, let, let's, let's hold up a second. Let's step back. There's a lot more gay people now. And there's a lot more transgender people at a really rapid pace. Is this actually um, accurately assessing what's going on in society? Or are these kids being led astray and they're, they might want and achieve short-term happiness with some of the things that are happening, but they're going to achieve terrible long-term results. And I think we've all seen those studies and the numbers that show the suicide rate is just massive for people that have, have had transgender surgeries. Because like you said, a lot of times these don't go well. And that's why it just it, it really struck me how aggressively the show was trying to depict that you flip a button and you, you go in for surgery and then all your problems are solved. I mean, and, and even the voice changing was, was incredible. And now, you know, the, the Orville went about it in the, the, it was a little bit of a tricky way where it was, you know, the, the, the surgery first happened at birth. So it was a surgery to get them back to actually being female, which they were born, but it was the, the concept was, uh, a child of around 10 was being led um, and was being encouraged to have the surgery. And so like you're saying with these parades, why are these kids being exposed to naked people? It shouldn't happen. It has no place in a society. And it's just, I, you know, I don't really know what direction we're going in where these things are going on and there's not an uproar about it. I mean, we, we see the uproar because, we're on more conservative leaning websites and we're on our Twitter account where we're following these accounts. So we see it, but 
I think the general population, they, you know, they haven't seen a lot of it. And so I'm, I'm kind of hoping that, you know, these are the people we kind of want listening to our show that they're seeing this stuff the first time and going, hold up, this is far too, too, too much compared to what I thought it was. And, and to like, to finish up in this point, the, the, the public schools, I mean, we've seen it with the, with the TikTok libs of TikTok, where all these teachers are talking about the sexuality, a lot of LGBTQ plus stuff, but just sexuality in general to four-year-olds. And that's disgusting and that should never be happening. But what happened during the pandemic is that when we had school from home, a lot of these, um, you know, everyone was staying home, not only the kids, but the parents, they were seeing what was going, was being taught in the classroom and that shocked them. And what was unfortunate is that it shouldn't have taken the pandemic and staying at home for parents to have been aware of this and to understand what these kids are actually being taught. Having said that, very good that it did happen. It's a silver lining from the pandemic that we actually know what's going on. And that's why we see all of these school boards around the country. The parents are going to the meetings and they're protesting and saying, why are our kids reading this stuff? So I, I do like that, but we just we, we need more of it. And, and maybe we are at that tipping point where a lot of people are going to take a step back and say we need to change things. But it doesn't help when these shows like the Orville and shows like Survivor and Netflix and all the things we talk about in this show. It's so woke as a parent. It's sort of hard to combat that programming. Um, it's hard to combat the propaganda that all these kids have had over their course of school. And, you know, my parents always joke with me that I I came out of college a lot more liberal than when I came in. But looking back on it, that definitely ha- that definitely happened. I mean, I'm, I'm aware of that. I agree with that. I can look back on it. So there's so much going against the the nuclear family, the stable, that stable family. That's 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 kind of the biggest detriment to the government having this incredible power to rule over everyone's lives. Um, that's kind of the, the core of what a society is. And so when we pull that apart, that's why society's falling apart because we don't have strong families. We don't have strong leaders in the community. We're being led by the state of people that are putting this guy Biden up there that, you know, has no idea, has nothing going on in his head. He's just following orders. And and as Elon says, the, the real president is the person who runs the teleprompter. So, you know, all these things are really interrelated and you have kids are the most unhappy they've ever been. Um, women are the most unhappy they've ever been. Young men are committing mass shootings at incredible rates. I mean, this is this is all stuff that we have to talk about why it's happening. And we're not even at that point We're we're only at the point where we can only simply admit that it's starting to happen. So. Yeah, it's it, it's it's and it's unreal. Um, but yeah, I mean, spe- TV speaking as to like oddity in the air. Um, there's some there's some strange things going on these days where, you know, Abe of Japan was assassinated. That's really strange for for that country. Boris Johnson, he's out of the UK. Um, we have the Biden people um, admitting that there's a liberal world order um, on CNN as to why uh Americans have to accept high gas prices and high food prices in terms of the Ukraine war. So, you know, we have Sri Lanka situation. So there's, um, you know, th- things aren't really going that great around, around the world. And then, and especially in this country too. No, it's, it's really concerning what's happening and like the timing of everything. And like, 
I really try to stay away from like, you know, the internet conspiracy, uh, conspiracy boards and all that. Like, that's not who I am. I'm not like a tinfoil hat type of guy, but look, like there's always been this conspiracy about this, like new world order um, that this guy Klaus from this German dude Klaus is putting together. And look, I've had people share that with me, to be honest with you. I never like really bought into it or really like, watched it but like as these things are developing it kind of makes you go huh like maybe there's like a kernel of truth in some of this because the timing of what happened with Abe and then Boris Johnson it just seemed almost too coincidental that there's like in these like you know obviously Abe is a former prime minister but still um and then Boris Johnson getting kind of pushed out like there seems to be like this shifting of like the world leaders of going on and it's all happening in like coordination with each other. And again, I'm not saying I'm fully buying this theory. I still like want to educate myself more and, you know, you know, I I, I don't want to rush to these like rash decisions and judgments, but it's certainly something that I'm like keeping an eye on now because uh, it just seems all too convenient and coincidental to me. It's very, it's very, very strange. And then also we see what happened uh, just today where uh, in Sri Lanka, the people in protest, they literally stormed the presidential palace and then the prime minister just resigned. So again, like on a global stage, like things are happening and uh, I, I don't really know where this is leading to, but it gives me an uneasy sense that I think we're going to wake up one day SB and be like, what happened? Like the world that we live in is going to be very different than the world that we're in today. And it, it, it just gives me, it gives me a, a, a reason for pause and concern right now. That's, that's all I'll say on that. No, it's, it's definitely troubling times. And especially because, okay, Afghanistan happened. Now there's the war in Ukraine. What happens if China takes the opportunity to go to Taiwan? So there's just there's a lot that could happen. There's the the winter in Europe. Um, if these energy prices are are really going to keep skyrocketing like they have, people aren't going to be able to heat their homes in Europe. So, yeah, there's there's a a lot out there. But I I did want to uh, line it up here and give you a little bit of time to uh, you know, take take a take a victory lap here. The, the Sox and the Yankees are playing uh, this weekend in a series, and so far it's uh, two Yankees, no Sox. And actually, your Yankees are on pace for the greatest number of wins in MLB history. So we'll see if they can actually get there. But yeah, the, uh, the Sox just ran into a juggernaut here, TV. Yeah, I mean, I, I this has been a season for the ages. Um, I'm I'm happily eating crow. Like, I, like I've said before, at the beginning of the season, I was very critical of Brian Cashman for not really making any splashy free agent signings or trades. Um, it, it, a lot of it gave me question and pause, but it's, it's, it's just been coming together quite beautifully. I think if you look at the roster top to bottom, they've Cashman has designed the team to be significantly upgraded their defense. They give up the fewest runs in the league. And then their offense, while, again, still blemishes, that bottom half of the lineup still concerns me, as I've said multiple times on the show. But it's just a powerhouse. Like, I feel, you got to feel bad for the pitchers. Like, imagine you have to pitch around LeMahieu, Judge, Stanton, uh, <laughs> you know, Donaldson now. He's on fire. 
um, you know, Trevino, he was, he's our catcher. He was an upgrade defensively over Gary Sanchez, but now he's batting so well that he might get him, might bat himself into the all-star game. The Yankee, the all-star break is next week, I believe. I think there's going to be multiple Yankees on that team, uh, making it like multiple pitchers, um, you know, batters. It, this team is just designed for greatness. And, um, you know, the, the pressure's on now. Like they're, they're playing at, histor- at a historical pace right now, as you said, SB. I mean, I think it's got to be World Series or bust. I know, I know you see hear that all the time with the Yankees, but I think it's never been truer than it is now. Like, you know, obviously the Astros are still a threat, the Dodgers, but no one is winning at the clip that the the Yankees are now. I'm I'm loving the ride right now, even when they're down. They're never find ways to make to to come back and win. Um, it's it, it's been awesome. I I just really don't know what else to say anymore. I'm just gonna keep watching and just enjoying it. Yeah, and hey, meanwhile, the Sox, look, I, I said it at the, at the beginning of the year when we discussed it. I've said it when we've talked about it in the pod. The pitching is just not there. So Evaldi's injured now will probably be coming back. We've got Sale potentially coming back, but I don't trust either of those guys. I especially don't trust Sale. And if you look past those two guys, they just have nobody. So at some point, they got to find the pitching. I'm I'm okay with the Sox saying that they got to shave some money off the payroll. They're not going to be as productive over the, over the most recent off season, getting guys um, just do it when the team's ready to, to when the team is ready to compete um, for real, not just have a decent regular season. When the team is ready to compete for a series, that's when you go out and sign a guy like Cole at the Yankees did. who's just a killer for you guys. So that that's what I'm thinking. The Sox will do, but look, I, you know, if they're in, in the postseason, obviously I'm going to root for them, but I don't think you're going to be challenging the, the great Yankee lineup with uh, some of these pitchers they have. And certainly through these, the first two games of this series, that's, that's what's happened. Yeah. And look, Eske, I'm not going to let you off easy here. We do have to do a little bit of trash talk. Uh, <laughs> I do enjoy beating up on you guys, especially in Fenway. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite Twitter profiles to go to during these series is uh jared carabas um he was a uh, barstool personality now he's on he's at DraftKings, and you know he's a he's a big Sox homer like whatever like more power to him but he will talk constant trash to the yankees and then the second they get blown they lose or start getting blown out by the yankees all of a sudden he pretends he doesn't care about baseball anymore obviously it's a i, I know it's a bit but it just makes watching a Yankees win over the Sox a little bit sweeter. Um, and, you know, I, uh, I had to give that, I had to chirp SB a little bit after game one where I, I sent him a nice, uh, the Yankees win. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a feeling we're going to hear that one more time tonight, SB. Yeah, we'll see. Well, uh, yeah, we got the game going on later, but yeah, I, I needed to, uh, I felt it was appropriate to let you, uh, do a little gloating here. Since, I appreciate that. Since the two W's. But yeah, one um one brief story for me before we uh we finish up with the nice rewokables on a on a favorite topic of ours. I wanted to say I, I have a media recommendation. I mean it could be a weekly antidote, but it's more just that Tucker was interviewed by Ben Smith, um, previously BuzzFeed, so BuzzFeed Ben went to the New York Times, now he's doing a new media venture. So this was a kickoff event for the new media venture. Most of the guests were there in person. Tucker um, came in via satellite. But this is a, a liberal media outlet. For example, they had somebody like Taylor Lorenz there in person. 
So having Tucker there was kind of a big deal. And you got to watch this conversation because it proves how really vile and disgusting the media is. Because what, what Ben would do is he would ask a question of Tucker, but before he asked the question, he'd spend about 30 seconds to a minute calling him a white supremacist and racist and then asking the question. Tucker would then respond for 15 seconds before Ben would immediately interrupt. And this happened several times. Now, finally, Tucker did hold his own pretty well, and he had some really good shots back at him, basically said, you're a propagandist for the elite ruling class carrying water for them. Um, that was one of them. Um, but Tucker essentially said, look, what, what you're doing in this interview is the reason people don't trust you and people are going to watch this and they're going to look like a fool. So I was glad that he actually said that. But you, you really have to watch this because this is what the media does. And one of my favorite parts was he he did this uh, this and, you know, called him racist for a minute and then, you know, didn't let him respond. And Tucker, um, and then the, the, what Ben Smith did is he said, oh, um, Tucker, like, like uh, now this is the one time that Tucker talked for like more than 30 seconds. So he talked for more than 30 seconds. Then Ben Smith goes, oh, we don't, we don't need to hear a monologue. You do that on your show every night. <laughs> so this is the guy that, that he's doing monologues calling him racist. Let's Tucker talk the one time for a little bit and then has that, that jab ready to go. So just so dishonest, so slimy so vile i think like all these words and this perfectly describes um exactly why people don't trust the media and then and then to finish up on that same thing speaking of the new york times tb what what'd you think about the new york times now saying that myra flores is part of this rise of the new far-right latina uh, uh, latina what happened to latinx that's a that's a very bigoted uh headline there from the new york times i think uh they should educate themselves and uh get woke but uh <laughs> look we we called this coming years ago i know we we've only started this show since back in february but so we were we were especially calling it the star of our show but we knew this was happening we saw this a couple months ago when there was that article uh from the atlantic on the rise of white hispanic male nationalists so uh, now they're moving into the female territory. Um, and it, it's funny that they, they're saying this. They're associating uh, Maya Flores with uh, QAnon because one time, just one time, she shared like a QAnon-associated hashtag on Facebook. And no other time has she ever done that. But they took that one instance and then now say that she's a QAnon ally. Um, so... Look, like this is just the, the the script. When they when they can't win the arguments on merit, they always play into race and you know, they they play into extremism and and all that. And this is their way. This is a preemptive strike. I've said this before, uh, but it's a preemptive strike because they look at the polls. Biden only has a I think he has like a his approval rating from Hispanics is like. Anywhere from like the mid twenties to the mid thirties, it's like so, lies somewhere around there. It kind of varies, but either way, he's underwater in that demographic. He, uh, the Hispanic population is increasingly moving right. So rather than the left recognizing that, hey, you know what? Maybe people don't like being painted with broad brushes and being, 
you know, saying that because of their minority status, thus it defines how they think and how they vote. Um, instead of realizing that, they just assume they just try to say, you know what? No, it's just actually there's an evil, racist, or extreme movement going on behind the scenes, and that's the the excuse for it. So this doesn't surprise me. This is you know this is like the, this is straight from uh, page one of their of their playbook. Um, this is this is classic stuff from the left. Uh, but it, it is disgusting in, in all its instances. Um, and, you know, just quickly touching, I just want to touch quickly on that that Tucker and Ben Smith uh, interview that uh, that you, you just shared. Um, so uh, just really quickly, like he, when I was watching that, I actually thought that uh, Tucker Carlson very eloquently explained the basis of his views and like demonstrably like, it showed that he's not a racist person he repeatedly said that he thinks that you know as a christian he believes everyone's made in the image of god and thus we are all equal and that he thinks that people should be defined by their character and their actions versus their the the color of their skin and those those are words that are in in the in like of you know martin luther king um you know there was nothing racist or anything at all and all he did, but this guy Ben, BuzzFeed Ben, he, all he would do is just, um, it, rather than responding to that, he would just say, "Oh, but this instance that you uh, talked about the Great Replacement Theory on your show, like an eight-second clip of your show where you talked about it," or he said he would just like make these like he would take these dotted lines from pe- other people and say, "Oh, like you had them on your show, or you were you said, or you." Uh, had people working at your on your staff that had to be removed or something like that. Like he would just like keep bringing up stories to continue the insinuation that Tucker Carlson's like this racist person. When again, I thought Tucker Carlson did a very good job of you know articulating how he's not uh, that way. And I, I what I, I do want to say though is like ultimately I think this is just one microcosm of of kind of just the entire liberal ideology where they don't listen to emotion i'm rather they don't listen to reason they don't want to uh hear people out they make their minds up and they just immediately put you into this basket where they just say you know you're a deplorable person and they don't there is no dialogue to be had uh they actually you know ben this guy ben didn't bring tucker carlson on to have a conversation he was using it as an, as an, an opportunity to get you know, his jabs in and maybe get a soundbite of if Tucker Carlson uh, tripped up and said something uh, out of turn. So it, these people don't actually, they're not sincere. They're, they don't actually have any good intentions. You know, it's, it's, you can't really converse with people like this because they, there is no positive outcome they're trying to get. Um, they've made up their mind about you and they're going to continue that narrative. And we see that displayed not just in our social interactions with you know, extreme woke liberal uh, people, but also in our media where, you know, they will continuously make these conjectures, um, you know, going back to the, the Abe assassination, they linked him to being this like crazy, like conservative uh, extremist. Uh, that was like in the, the NPR's headlines, whereas the very same NPR, um, they would say, they said very beautiful stuff about Hugo Chavez and Fidel Castro and of course, we can't forget the headline from the Washington Post where they called the a, uh, a leader of the Taliban a, re- a religious scholar. Um, so um, it, it's, you know, it's examples like this where if you're not on their side, um, they're going to demonize you and, and they have no intention of ever learning 
of being of being open to changing their mind or maybe having a positive uh, reaction to or feeling about someone they disagree with. Um, they make up their mind before you even say a word. And this was a just an example of that. Yeah. And and the perfect example of that is actually on the comments on Twitter of the video. Ben treated Tucker very unfairly, as we've just described. Yet there's people commenting saying Ben and his new v- media venture should essentially be canceled because he even talked to Tucker. So it was the whole you're giving a white supremacist a platform. So exactly what you just described, these were all these people on Twitter commenting saying, I can't even believe what's going on. And I would say that if those people on Twitter, they didn't know it was Tucker, but they listened to what um, what was actually said by Tucker, they would agree with it. So they're told that Tucker is this far-right boogeyman who's a crazy white supremacist when, as you put it, the, what he was saying in that interview um, was explicitly not racist. It was it was completely against judging people by race. And he even said that in there. He, ben asked him, what's one thing you could do or that us as the media could do to tone down the temperature? And Tucker said, let's stop racializing things. So, yeah, I, I loved that the irony of that whole situation was that the exactly what we talk about, exactly what Tucker was talking about, we saw in the comments on the video. So, yeah, just just thought that was useful to put out there. And I, we've uh, tweeted it, but everybody can go and um and look at that link. But yeah, TB, I think uh, I think we covered a lot this episode. A lot of uh, wokeness rolled in. And uh, yeah, I think. Um, yeah. Any any last words? Any last woke? Uh, you know, I just want to thank the uh, the woke for keeping the lights on over here at the woke antidote. Um, they're keeping us in business, and uh, you know we have them to thank for that. So uh, no, but uh, look, it's been a it's been a, a busy couple of weeks for the the, the two of us. But um, you know, looking forward to you know as the summer you know we start to head towards the tail end of the summer. I'm looking forward to getting back on schedule and. You know, we have so many like really exciting things cooking in the background that, uh, you know, we'll be sharing with you shortly. But, um, you know, we're seeing it like this. Our show continues to grow and it's it's just really awesome to see. So, again, thank you to everyone for uh, for being our loyal listeners and, uh, and evangelizing this with your friends and family. It, it, we, we certainly appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, tell your friends, leave a comment, give us a review. And with that, yeah, unless uh, anything else to say, just uh, everybody stay safe out there, avoid the woke, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you guys soon. Go Yankees. (laughs) Actually, is there a a WNBA subreddit? Oh, God, they're going to hate us on there. (laughs)